Good morning, everyone. You're listening to today's news on Morning Mixtape. Today is Thursday, June 29th, and I'm your host, Gabriel Hilti, reporting for CGRU 1280 AM in Toronto. Here are the top stories this morning. New Brunswick is changing its LGBTQ policy in schools that outlines requirements for a safe environment. Experts are sounding the alarm on the possible effects. Next, the Amazon rainforest is facing a crisis of rising organized crime. A development officials say is due to the forest having its environmental protections stripped in recent years. After, a new report shows the lobbying of Ontario Health has shot up since the Ford government increased the number of private clinics in the healthcare sector. Then, Justina has the feel-good stories in her good news segment. And after, the show rounds off with today's weather. In the headlines, New Brunswick will change its LGBTQ policy that currently has minimum requirements for a safe environment in schools. Experts say that the change could lead to a ripple effect of more harmful legislation. Reported in CBC News and other outlets, the New Brunswick Policy 713 was first introduced in August of 2020. The new version, amended by the province's progressive conservative government, will take effect on July 1st. Changes to the policy mean that teachers will not have to use the preferred pronouns or names of transgender and non-binary students under the age of 16. Under the changed policy, teachers and schools will also have to obtain parental consent for any student wanting to change their name at school. Students who refuse parental involvement would be referred to a school psychologist or social worker to develop a plan to inform their parents. Christopher Wells, the Canada Research Chair for the Public Understanding of Sexual and Gender Minority Youth and Associate Professor at McEwen University in Edmonton, is one of the experts sounding the alarm. Wells says that if the policy changes are implemented, similar attacks against transgender and non-binary communities could happen elsewhere in Canada. Despite the controversy, Conservative Premier of New Brunswick, Blaine Higgs, has defended the changes, saying that they reflect the government's desire to make sure parents play a role in the, quote, formative years of their children. The move has also caused disruptions inside the Premier's own party and cabinet, with two ministers resigning after voting against the changes, and a further two ministers being dropped by the Premier after also voting with the opposition. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau also condemned the changes earlier in June at a Pride event in Toronto. Additionally, unionized school psychologists and social workers filed grievances against the province, saying that the changes would force them to violate human rights. LGBTQ plus rights in Canada are protected under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Advocates say that the new policy could be challenged in court, although the reality of the court system is a lengthy process rather than a quick solution. In international news, the Amazon rainforest is facing a rise in organized crime that officials say is due to the forest losing many of its environmental protections in recent years. Reported in The Guardian, the Brazilian government's drug policy chief said that the rapid rise of drug factions in the Amazon has produced a very difficult situation in the region. This comes shortly after a new report by the United Nations warned that the rise of organized crime groups was also driving further environmental destruction in the world's largest rainforest. Marta Machado, the National Secretary of Drug Affairs, said that the dismantling of Brazil's environmental and indigenous protections agencies by the previous government of former President Jair Bolsonaro created the vacuum in the Amazon now filled by crime syndicates from Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo. 
During Bolsonaro's presidency from 2019 to 2023, illegal deforestation and mining rose significantly and are now part of the mounting concern of organized crime endangering the world's most diverse rainforest region. A former senior police chief told The Guardian earlier in June that the advance of organized crime could result in significant damages to indigenous lands. The World Drug Report, published this week by the UN, highlighted the danger of narco-deforestation, which is the process of laundering the profits from drug trafficking into land speculation, the agricultural sector, cattle ranching, and other related areas. Machado also expressed concern on the convergence of different illegal groups operating inside the Amazon, with drug factions and environmental criminals increasingly collaborating and sharing infrastructure. She said that while police forces were working on addressing the problem, the approach needs to be combined with policies of sustainable social and human development in the area. Even prior to this latest development, the far west of the Amazon forest in Brazil, bordering Peru, has long been used as a corridor to smuggle cocaine to the lucrative market of Europe. In local news, the number of lobbyists targeting Ontario Health has gone up following changes made to the healthcare system by the Ford government. Reported in Global News, the annual report for 2022 to 2023 by the Integrity Commissioner of Ontario has revealed that Ontario Health was the most lobbied Crown Corporation over the past year. Lobbied a total of 276 times, the figure is an increase of 51% compared to the previous year. The increase in lobbying comes after big changes to healthcare in Ontario. The Progressive Conservative government, led by Premier Ford, implemented changes over the past year to increase the involvement of private, for-profit clinics in the delivery of publicly funded procedures. The government justified the decision as a way to cut wait times and backlogs at hospitals. There has been significant opposition from critics, such as the official NDP opposition in Queen's Park or the Ontario Nurses Association, who called the move privatization and fear that people will be charged hidden fees. In addition to the findings on healthcare, the report also showed an overall increase in lobbying. Switching from the headlines to our daily segment, here's Justina with the feel-good stories in her Good News segment. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this week's Good News segment. My name is Justina, and each week I'm going to be sharing a piece of uplifting news to add some positivity to your week. You've probably heard that the threat of waste pollutes the environment and impairs public health. Maybe you have seen the burning of garbage or mountains of trash in less developed nations who don't have access to a proper waste collection system. But have you heard what one country is doing to prevent all that from happening? According to the Good News Network, South Korea sets a new standard to manage the trash crisis. The government has banned burying organic waste in landfills since 2005. South Korea has perhaps the most sophisticated food waste disposal infrastructure that recycles food scraps into animal feed, fertilizer, and fuel for heating thousands of homes. This system keeps 90% of discarded foods out of landfills and incinerators. However, it has not always been like this. According to the New York Times, South Korea's culinary tradition includes small side dishes, sometimes more than a dozen that accompany most meals. For years, many of these small dishes were tossed in landfills, but the country's mountainous terrain limited how many landfills could be built and how far from residential areas they could be. Because stews are also a staple of South Korean cuisine, discarded foods had a higher water content, which meant a greater volume and worse stenches. To deal with the food waste, South Korea implemented universal curbside composting, which requires everyone to separate their food from general waste. 
Restauranters, for example, fill designated bins with fruit scraps that are left on the road for collectors who take 90% of all waste to specialized collection facilities. Once taken to the recycling facilities, the food is sorted for any non-waste food mixed in, drained of its moisture where some of it is used to produce fuel. Then the rest is dried and baked into a dry brown powder that smells like dirt, which is given away to farms as a feed supplement for chicken and ducks. This is just one way food scraps are processed. Some municipalities have even introduced automated food waste collectors in apartment complexes. Residents tap a card, place their scraps in the food waste disposal machine, which weighs the waste, then they pay the weight-based fee at the machine. The results of the system are remarkable. Of South Korea's annual food scraps, very few will ever end up in a landfill. The program costs South Korea about $600 million annually, but it has still motivated several states in the U.S. to implement similar policies. According to an article published by The Guardian, New York has already introduced its first universal curbside composting program in Queens. The Korean model illustrates that there are hopeful ways in reducing food waste to make neighborhoods and communities a safer and healthier place to live. Well, that's all the good news I have for today. I'm Justina reporting for CJRU 1280 AM in Toronto. Thanks for listening. Looking at today's weather, the sky is mostly clear with some clouds moving in in the afternoon. Temperatures reach up to 25 degrees with a very high UV index of 9 or above. The air quality due to the burning wildfires improves to a moderate risk. Remember to take precautions and limit your time outdoors if you're irritated by the smoke or at higher risk. That's everything for today. Thanks for listening to Morning Mixtape News with the day's top headlines and stories packed in a short format. For CGRU 1280 AM in Toronto, I'm your host, Gabrielle Hilty.